inviting me back. Um, brought back memories there, trying, struggling my way through the concourse at a change in, in of lecture hours. Um, I'm kind of glad not to be going into lecture theatre, I must say. Um, okay, the motivation, uh, just the outline of what I'm going to say. I, I, it won't be too long, I hope. Um, motivation, data, modelling, and some brief conclusions. Um, the motivation for this is it's joint work. My brother Dermot has been working on this topic for a long time. He's a psychiatrist. And actually, we did a paper on suicide in Dublin something like 40 years ago, which, uh, looking back on it now, was a fairly simple piece of work. It was just looking at uh, inquests and coroner's reports to try and decide what factors might have moved them to um, classify a death, an accidental death, or a a death from external causes as being due to suicide. And he's been working on it ever since. He tends to rope me in when he wants some veneer of uh, statistical sophistication or respectability on his, on his work. Um, but there's also some more recent research which has prompted both of us. He feeds me a lot of this stuff. You've probably heard of some of the um, work by this uh, Struckler, I think he's at Oxford, um, and a whole slew of co-authors have published a lot, including a recent book, but they've published a lot in The Lancet and the British Medical Journal, um, blaming uh, the recent economic setback and policies pursued on foot of it for a range of adverse developments in public health, um, and particularly in suicide rates. For example, uh, the second paragraph here summarizes something that they had in the BMJ very recently that uh, attracted a fair amount of press coverage, as this topic does tend to. But what they said is, on the basis of time, time trend analysis, comparing the actual number of suicides from 54 countries in 2009 with the number that might have been expected based on the trends over the previous seven years, um, it was found that there were an estimated 4,884 excess suicides in 2009 compared with the number expected on the basis of previous trends. Um, I like the accuracy of the, the estimate, although to be fair, they give confidence intervals even in that summary. Um, you know, I'm a bit worried about lumping 54 countries together, no matter how elaborate the statistical analysis, um, and also comparing, I'll come back to this point, comparing a time trend over a pretty short period of time uh, and extrapolating it forward and then saying that the, the error in the forecast is due to um, the recession. But that's, I think, a fair summary of what they have been saying. So um, Matt Dixon, whom I don't presume some of you here know, I, I actually don't know him, but I, he invited me to a conference in Bath uh, on Halloween. Um, it's partly sponsored by a something called the Death Foundation, I think, which Halloween is a... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, at which Stuckler would have been present also to present his views, but I got a message from him the other day saying that it has to be either cancelled or postponed due to industrial action at the university. I, I'm not sure what UCU is. I think it's a, obviously it's a university trade union of some sort. So um, we won't have a chance to debate this over there. And Mr. O'Leary won't refund any um, of the plane tickets that they have 
will pay for. Okay, turning then to the data, because this is an area I think where we do need to think a little bit about where we get the information that we're analyzing, where it comes from. Um, there is this international classification of deaths, which is done by the UN uh, World Health Organization, and they've gone through, they're now on their 10th revision, which was introduced in Ireland in 2007. I think it was actually introduced internationally a bit earlier than that. But we're looking at the, in the, in the eighth and ninth revision of that ICD, which were enforced in Ireland from 68 to 2006. What we're dealing with are what are called suicide and deaths due to external causes, and then the subcategory of that is suicide and self-inflicted injury. And the codes that they use are E for external cause of death, 950 to 959. Um, and the reason there are 10 codes is that there are 10 different methods of suicide distinguished, drowning, poisoning, drowning by different types of substances, hanging, shooting, you know, all the possibilities that you can think of. Then that was revised in, or the revised, the 10th revision was introduced to Ireland in 2007 and is now still in force. And the codes were changed to X60 to X84. The name was changed to intentional self-harm. And there are now 25 methods uh, distinguished. So you get really fine-grained distinctions about poisoning with what type of substance, an accident, or throwing yourself under a train, or, or a car, or you know, all sorts of um, fine subdivisions are in there. And in what I'm saying, for the most part, I don't distinguish between the different methods. I just take the aggregate. For, for the obvious reasons, you get into very small numbers. In Ireland, if you begin looking at 25 different categories of, of suicide. But there is the other complication now that there are other deaths that may possibly be self-inflicted because suicide is a judgment about intention. And, um, you know, short of leaving a note, which is one thing that people use in classifying a death as suicidal, uh, there is a lot of judgment involved, obviously, in the... So there are these other categories which were introduced in Ireland anyway in 1968 under the codes um, E980 to 989, and they're called uh, injuries undetermined whether accidentally or purposefully, purposely inflicted. And again, there are 10 methods corresponding to the 10 methods that we use in the suicide categorization. And since 2007, in the 10th ICD, they've been called deaths from external causes due to events of undetermined intent. And there are now 25 methods for that as well. So you really actually have 50 different categories of death that you could look at under the heading suicide or this um, deaths of undetermined intent. I, I refer to these as UIs, undetermined intent. And I don't know if there's much significance in the change in the label in either of the categories uh, to uh, self intentional self-harm as opposed to suicide or deaths from external causes due to undetermined events of undetermined intent. Anyway, you could also argue, and I don't actually, but I will say one thing about it, that other external causes of death, such as road accidents, poisonings, drownings, may include some deaths that are due to suicidal behavior and the degree of intention you know, can be debated. It's not usual to include these in the 
uh, debate on suicide, but I'll draw attention to one feature of them in a moment. Um, the main aggregates are published in the annual report on vital statistics, and 2011 volume has just been published, so I've updated earlier series to include the, the 2011 sort of definitive figures. Then you can get more up-to-date quarterly data from the quarterly reports on vital statistics, which contain what they call preliminary data on deaths by cause based on the quarter of registration. These are now available for the four quarters of 2012, and I've used those in my analysis, but I'm conscious that there may be some discontinuity in the series because of that. In fact, as, uh, looking back on the um, tidying up that they do going from the quarterly to the annual reports, it doesn't seem to matter much. They may displace some from one year to the other. I think they do tend to reclassify some of the, what I call the UIs, the uh, undetermined intent, into suicide for preliminary classification, they weren't sure. But I don't think there's any risk that the 2012 figures are seriously uh, misleading. It comes from the coroner's, it comes from the Department of Health, the, the raw data. Yes. And I know that the guards have a, a role. They always ask the guards if they believe, because the suicide would, the death in circumstances would indeed be notified to the guards. And they are influenced, I think, by what the guards say on this. Um, the very detailed stuff, the, the 50 different categories that I mentioned of suicides and UIs are not actually published in print form. They're available in this, um, at this website here, which is, um, you know, it gives all the classification of all the deaths. It doesn't go back, of course, as far as you would like, but that's, that's a reference to bear in mind that the printed version is less detailed than the uh, online database. Um, I think we should bear in mind that we're looking <coughs> annually in Ireland at 28,000 deaths, give or take a few hundred, and about 600 are, have been in recent years classified as suicide. So um, it's two or three percent of the, of the total. And if you go into, some people have said, well, have you looked at rural areas versus urban areas and so on? Um, the answer is no, because you do get into very small numbers if you begin to look at uh, fine breakdowns. But I have looked at age and, and sex, and that I think is very important. I certainly haven't looked at method, except for one comment I make in a moment. Um, and obviously with numbers that are, are small like this, a three-year moving average will smoothen out some of the randomness and the erratic um, peaks and troughs. Okay, well that's the suicide rate as far as I can calculate it using the population aged 15 and over because only one or two a year are classified as thankfully as being under 15. Um, and you can see it is a fairly jagged, you know, there are, um, there's a sawtooth effect there which suggests kind of randomness from year to year. And as I say, a three-year moving average will smoothen out some of those. But I'll comment a lot about this in a moment, that the big picture is indeed a very strong rise from 68. I begin there because that's when kind of the modern era begins. That's also when these UIs, the uh, undetermined intent, can be added in. And you see a really strong rise up to the end of the century. And then, and we comment on this, sharp decline and then a leveling off. If you add in the... Um, 
undetermined intent, the UIs as I call them, I've taken them out and put them there as a separate graph. And you can see that is really erratic. There's a lot of jaggedness there year to year. If it's up and one year it tends to be down, the other you think of negative autocorrelation of some sort. But um, the important point here is that in 1998, no, 1993, suicide was decriminalized. The act came in in 93 and I think was probably fully enforced by 94. That act was invoked recently in the case where a woman was denied the right um, to have assisted suicide because they said even though it decriminalized suicide, it didn't create any right for suicide, you know what I mean? So that case I think is still live or may go to, to Europe. But you see that when it was, when the decriminalization came into play, it seemed to go out of fashion to classify deaths as UIs and I think they were, a lot of them were shifted into the suicide category. But then recently they've, they've risen back up again and become quite a significant uh, total relative to the suicide rate. So it is a bit difficult to know. There certainly is interaction between the two categories and I think it's, it's advisable not to ignore the UIs. Maybe it's not as advisable to treat them as I've tended to do in some of this analysis, lump them in with suicides. But um, given the sensitivity of classifying a death as suicide and so on, I think they probably err on the conservative side. So you're probably, I'm probably right to treat them as a part of the suicide total. Not since 1993. Uh, <laughs> no change in law, no implications for inheritance? No, or no. Well, life insurance policies. <laughs> yes, life insurance. If you took out life insurance policies today and killed yourself tomorrow, I think they wouldn't pay up. Um, and there are, you know, you probably read of occasional cases where someone is drowned or something and it's not clear. But the fact that it was criminalized or not wouldn't I don't, well, I think the, the decriminalization meant that this category was shifted probably more into the plain suicide rate, into the plain suicide category, I, I would think. Um, and they can only prosecute you, <laughs> I'm not even sure, does anyone, is attempted suicide a crime? Uh, I, 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 I don't even know if it was before 1993. I suppose what I mean is that, you know, Would you wait? No, I, I don't. I don't think so. But others might know that. I mean, there are obviously social, religious connotations. Legally, as far as I know, um, I don't know what the point of having it as a crime was, um, because as you say, you could only be prosecuted if you didn't succeed. And the only case I've ever heard for financial implications are in relation to uh, life insurance policies where, as I say, it, you know, there'd be real moral hazard if everyone could take out a really big life insurance policy, you know, if they were dying anyway and so on and, and then just kill themselves. So, yes, I think that's, that was the argument for decriminalization. And of course, we should bear in mind, uh, when I mentioned very briefly international comparisons, it is still a crime in some countries. Um, and the religious sanctions are, are higher in, in, in some countries. Uh, that's going the wrong way. Okay, well, there's adding the two together. And 
basically the same uh, shape of the original series is preserved. And, and the, the dip there is when, oops, I, uh, th this is decriminalization. But then these other ca this other category has got significant again. But I don't think it alters, uh, and I have tried this in statistical analysis, doing it with and without the UIs, and I, it doesn't really make a lot of difference um, into the statistical results. That's a three-year moving average, which in a way, including UIs. And I, as I say, I think you get a clearer picture. You get rid of some of the noise by looking at that three-year moving average, and it's pretty straightforward, uh, strong trend, a bit of a tapering off there, and then another trend, and then quite a sharp downward trend and a leveling off since 2007, six, seven. Um, okay. I said I, I wouldn't look at these other categories uh, much, but I did include something here which has struck me. Accidental deaths. Um, the red line is accidental deaths, just a number. I didn't convert this to a rate. It wouldn't make much difference. That's accidental deaths due to driving. And you'd be surprised to learn there's a, a strong negative, if not very sharp, downward trend. No doubt last summer we'll see an upkick because of the fine weather. Um, I, I'm sure if you did a regression and put in um, the summer weather, you'd get a significant result. But anyway, it's declining. But the, the poison of poisonings is really a, an extraordinary series, I think. It was jogging along at uh, less than 50 for, since 1961 down to 1990s. And then it shot up and leveled off. But then in recent years, in 2003 onwards, it has gone over 300. So we've had almost a tenfold increase in the recorded deaths due to poisoning. And Again, there are 25 different categories of poisoning, so I, I didn't go into the, you know, depending on what substance was used, and I haven't gone into detail on that. I, I just, th th this came out of the data looking at it, and I wondered, adding on to that then is, um, these are suicides versus um, accidents due to poisoning. And the odd thing is that the number of suicides due to poisoning has been going down quite noticeably, and the number of accidents due to poisonings in recent years has been going up. So, you know, that's beyond my sphere of, of competence to start investigating what's behind those accidental poisonings. Yes, but also, I mean, there was a time, you may remember, may not, Parapot, remember? Um, the weed killer that all the farmers stored in, in, in stout bottles in the shed, and then on a hot summer's day, they thought they had got a, an open bottle of stout, and they drank the parapot. Uh, that was in the 1960s. And it was really an epidemic of parapot poisoning. So it's, any, it's an overdose or a genuine mistake or a corrosive. We, we had a student uh, some years back who was um, painting a room, and he took a swig of the paint stripper rather than the water. Do you remember that? I think he survived, but so <laughs> it's not just, you know, obviously those were accidents, um, but it is odd that the two have moved in, in such a disparate way. Sorry, how do they... Road accidents, but I mean, these aren't road accidents. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yes, I, I, I could look at the, the 20, I think there are at least 25 different categories of, of poisonings in the D. If you go to the database, they give all the substances. And of course, they're very small numbers. I tried to pick out a few and it didn't, none of them struck me as being uh, really, um, well, I don't know much about them. Um, Oh, doses, yes, yes. So the LSD is actually mentioned in, in the thing, yeah, yes, yeah. And alcohol, overdose of alcohol is in there, yeah. But, you know, it could be that a lot more prescription drugs are, are available now than used to be, and uh, it's just shot up. Anyway, I don't want to dwell too much on that, because that's really for, for someone else, pharmacologists maybe, to worry about. Anyway, if you put them all together, you get, you get less of a decline. In, in the, so I just wonder if some deaths that might have been classified as uh, suicides are been shifted into the accidental category. Um, <clears throat> okay, some, this is the only table which I bring in other countries because um, the international literature, of course, has covered, as I said earlier, was it 54 countries they, they looked at? Um, I just picked out some at, at random. Obviously, our fellow bailout countries are in there. Um, Greece, Portugal, Spain, and Ireland. Well, Spain isn't a Portuguese bailout country, but I didn't put Italy in. Anyway, um, Latvia is a strange one because it had a very high suicide rate and it fell very sharply. And Latvia has gone through an economic, um, extraordinary economic revolution, you know. <coughs> GDP fell by 25% and so on. So that's a, a curious case about which I know nothing. The shock uh, in Russia just after, yeah. after the Soviet Union broke up. <coughs> and I think everything fell apart. But these are three we're moving out of the three year averages 1901, 05 to 07, and 08, 09, 10. But it doesn't show any downturn after the recent recession. This must have been. I don't know, but that's, that's odd. Um, Ireland is, is not noticeably uh, an outlier on, on this. You could have a bigger serious story. It ranks, like in Northern European countries generally have higher suicide, reported suicide rates than others. Ireland isn't an outlier, but it's up there. Um, I think the Greek case is interesting because we hear an awful lot about Greeks and the newspapers have selectively kind of run stories about some Greek guy who shoots himself or burns himself because of the recession. But according to the Eurostat data anyway, it, it hasn't changed the suicide rate at all since um, 1990s. Uh, Portugal is a more clear-cut case where things are, you know, the economy is going down the tubes and people do seem to be committing suicide more. In the Irish case, we take this to, now this excludes, um, this is Eurostat data that refers to the narrow definition of suicide. So um, I don't know what you'd make of that, except that the, the kind of rather alarmist stuff that Stukler and others have been talking about uh, as a consequence of austerity, that the suicide rate has been soaring, or that the, the drop that was occurring has been reversed, it, it doesn't leap out of this very limited set of, of figures. Anyway, to move on to the Irish case then, uh, some thoughts about modeling the time series. I, I think it's hard to, to uh, model uh, 
something like the suicide rate, as I say, 600 events a year, averaged over the population, a lot of uh, randomness seemingly in the data. And then I, I think a lot of the changes behind suicide would be slow-burning fuses, to think of it that way, um, trends that m might increase the suicide rate sociologists sort of a modernization, secularization, urbanization, the decline in religious belief and so on. It, it's supposed to be associated with um, more tolerance and more, more likely uh, suicidal events. Um, and it's very hard to, to model those. They're basically going to be captured in, in a, a trend, I think. And some of them are working against the others because over time, living standards have risen, as we all know, despite the setback, they're much higher now than they were a generation ago or two generations ago. And, you, you know, I'm enough of an economist to believe that uh, greater prosperity, contrary to the kind of journalistic idea, li li rising living standards probably um, work against suicide. You know, people are well off, they're um, better housed, better fed, better clothed, those things, other things equal, should tend to decrease suicide, but I, I don't know how you'd model all of those things, so I throw up my hands and don't. Now, the focus really has been on cyclical factors, the business cycle and unemployment, and alcohol consumption is, is one factor that shows variation and not just a smooth trend, and as we see, does seem to be correlated with, with the suicide rate. But of course, it in turn is influenced by trends and cyclical factors, so um, I'm not sure how robust the sort of statistical results are for, for that variable. Um, th there is a long well, there is some literature on this among economists. Uh, Room's NBER article, and he had an update on this uh, about are recessions good for your health? And he concludes that in general they are because they reduce uh, deaths from specific causes, obviously, road accidents and um, things related to lifestyle, smoking goes down, drinking goes down. So he argued yes, but he said the suicide rate, on the other hand, is pro-cyclical. It, it, it does tend to, um, I'm sorry, it's, it's anti-cyclical. The suicide rate tends to rise during recessions and fall during uh, booms. So I'm, I'm getting inverted there. Um, and he has replicated, that was done some time back in the NBER, and he has another paper, I think also with the NBER, where he brought that up to date. He said a lot of the effects he found earlier are less robust and less evident in the most recent recession, but he still says that suicide has tended to rise with the rise in unemployment. And then, as I've said, Stuttler and others have been claiming that austerity has led um, they don't say to a sharp rise in suicide, they say to a reversal of the downward trend that was well established uh, immediately before the recession. Um, one thing that I think is interesting is are the cross-section variations in the risk of suicide reflected in the time series? Because there are numerous micro-studies that show the risk of suicide is much higher among the unemployed than the employed and among those with alcohol problems than those who don't drink or don't drink to in the problem may. Um, some of those um, differentials are so large that you'd expect to see a really massive effect on the time series. That's one of the things that puzzles me a bit, that the risk of suicide among the unemployed in some of these studies is like five, six, seven times the risk 
among the employed. So you'd think that a rise in the unemployment rate would be very evident in the data, in the aggregate data for suicide. Um, and we see that that actually isn't the, as, as clear cut. Okay, so. And the problem you didn't mention at all is, is uh, in crisis prevention, you know, treatment. Well, I do actually, I do in one moment, the very next time, I don't mention, well, I do mention treatment in, in one form of treatment, but yeah, that, that okay. Just recall the, the trend, that, this is what we're trying to explain, the thing on the right-hand side, and you can summarize, it is a steady rise in the rates from the 60s to the late 90s, in fact, a simple linear trend explains 88% of the variation over that period, but then there was a dramatic break in a negative trend set in, which continued until 2007, and then it's been wobbling along the, at a high level, but not rising. Okay, um, I thought I had the next slide. I do have, I, I welcome back to your question, Kevin. Um, so that's, that's just fitting a trend line. That's, that's the simplest exercise, but you know, it is striking how, how steady the rise was down to 2000. Um, if you extrapolate that trend, of course, you would greatly overpredict what happened after 2000. And in a way, that's one of the most striking things. What, what did explain the leveling off, and not just leveling off, the downturn in the suicide rate after 2000? Um, if you just concentrate on the period after 2000, which I think is a bit dangerous because it's such a short period, you can fit a trend to that period and say, well, you know, even the most recent years are still not that far from the trend line. They, they, they fell below it there and they've risen a bit above it here, but we smoothed it out a bit. Um, however, Stuker and these guys want to fit a trend to the period from 2007, 2000 to 2007, and then extrapolate it. And so they say the gap between the red line and the blue line, or whatever color that is here, uh, is due to the recession. Um, for, I'm just looking at Ireland, but they look at a bigger, much bigger panel of countries. So that's what they're re re really doing, if I'm fair to them taking the period from 2000 and breaking it up into 2000-2007, then extrapolating what should have happened and what didn't happen, and saying that that gap is excess suicide. So that's what they've got really a lot of publicity for. Um, okay, issues in modeling this time series, this goes back to the two. There's a tendency, I think, to overfit particular data sets. I mean, in this field in particular, you see people adding in, you know, they have 15 variables and they keep going until they get an R squared of 0.99, and they have a perfect fit to this data set, but not to anything else. I, I think that that's a simple error in time series that it, it's, it's hard to avoid in a way when you don't have such a very rich data set. Um, I have to quote Roy Geary in, in these hallowed halls and mention that he used to always say that simple series, simple methods are best. Keep, keep the econometrics very simple. Well, I've certainly done that. Um, I've presented a very simple regression model focusing simply on trend, unemployment, and alcohol consumption. I omit many variables due to lack of continuous time series, and that's Kevin's point. The, <coughs> the one that is obvious, I think, and that has been used in some studies is <coughs> the use of antidepressants. And I, I've only got, got the uh, two drug prevalence surveys. There may be more, but there was one in 2006-07 and one in 2010-11 they showed an increase in the use of antidepressant drugs in Ireland, showing that 
almost 5% of adults were using these substances in the previous year, 2009-10, I guess. That's a lot of people, actually, 150,000 um, prescriptions a, a month or whatever, you know. So um, whether that, the introduction of those uh, treatments in the late 20th century, I think, is when they did become widespread. Whether that accounts for the turning point, I, I don't know. And I don't know how you could, well, maybe. Um, there certainly are claims made that they have uh, had a big impact on the, on the suicide rate, but there are other claims made that they do more harm than good. And like a lot of medicines, I think the evidence is still very debatable about them. So I mentioned that, Kevin, and then leave it. <laughs> um, okay, if you look at broad brush correlations, suicide and unemployment, I mean this, you, you, if you stopped around the, the this period, the, the late 80s, mid, early 80s, you might say there is a correlation of some sort, but we had this enormous fall in unemployment then, and it, it went along at an incredibly nostalgic 4.5% for, for quite a period, actually, full employment, and the suicide rate was rose and, and remained high, and then this, uh, the unemployment rate, has, unfortunately, has gone from under 5% to just over 13%. So you don't see any reflection of that in this crude um, picture of, of what's going on. And I think the same is true of the next picture, which just concentrates. That's the period when the action really was. A, a terrific drop in the unemployment rate. But suicide rose, actually, and remained high. So that's a bit puzzling. Um, now, alcohol consumption, on the other hand, and the alcohol consumption figures are smooth. That, I didn't, that's not a three-year average or anything. That's just the way the data come. Um, and they do seem to shadow the, or track or move along with the suicide rate. Even down to the most recent period when the drop in drinking that occurred has seemingly leveled off. The introduction of Arthur's Day, no doubt, has had a, an impact there. Um, but... So th those are the, the kind of uh, crude figures that, that um, I'm looking at. And, and then <coughs> in the remaining time, and I, I've stayed certainly within my limit, I just present some regression results. Um, as I say, these are very, very simple. I've tried to take account of autoregression in the residuals where it's a problem. Otherwise, I've used OLS. And... I've split the sample into two periods because you, want, you worry about, I worry about structural stability um, between the first and second half of the samples. We may be in a kind of different world since 1988-89 than we were before that. Um, these all include the, um, the shadowy category of UIs, but I have done them without UIs, and th there are some differences, but no major differences in the, in the findings. Um, what would I say about them? Well, I suppose one thing I would say is that, whether it's by chance or not, the alcohol variable does tend to be fairly consistently significant, especially after 1988-89, and for the whole sample period. Um, the unemployment rate, on the other hand, it is significant. With the, by the way, they all are the right sign. I should say that, I suppose. That's always a relief that they're, you know, the two culprits, uh, unemployment and alcohol, are positively related with the suicide uh, variable. Um, 
And when you include a trend, which I, I think you probably should, because there's so many variables omitted here that um, you don't want to pick up too much or omit too much that is probably correlated with the error terms. So I put that in. And alcohol is fairly um, robust with regard to that. So, um, and unemployment, yes, there, there does seem to be a significant effect. Um, but it's, the coefficients, are, as we see, are, are relatively low. Um, this is male suicide. So I've done it for males and females separately. And then I've actually done it within age groups. Uh, for males. Now, when you do it for males separately, you do certainly do get a more um, consistent set of significant coefficients. Oh, these are by age. I forgot that. They are by age. Particularly, the, this stops at <coughs> 50, 45, 54. So you do get a pretty consistent and fairly robust set of results on the alcohol variable for men. And in, in two of the age groups, three of the age groups, uh, Unemployment for the age groups, unemployment, when you leave out trend, is significant. Um, so I should preface all that by saying that the results for males are much more significant statistically than for females. Uh, I, I don't think I put in any results for females because generally the regressions were insignificant. And to the extent that we can account for these time series, we can do it for the men but not for the women. I, and we can do it, of course, for men aged under 55, I didn't include the older age groups because um, there were no significant results or no plausible ones. I don't think there were any. And that's not trivial because there are a fair number of suicides for people aged 55 and over. So what would I conclude from, from that? Um, well, I think they show strong and robust evidence that suicide rate is positively associated with capita alcohol per capita alcohol consumption, especially after 1988, and especially among men aged under 55. So um, that is one finding, I, I would claim. Um, some evidence that it's positively associated with the unemployment rate, especially over the earlier period, when, of course, things were a lot harsher, and unemployment was probably a lot harsher then than it is now especially for males, again, 15 to 54. And the, the evidence in the last 20 years is a bit weaker. And the influence of unemployment in the whole sample certainly gets weaker if you include a trend variable. But, um, it, OK, well, how big are these effects? Because uh, the, these guys that I've been talking about earlier are not slow to actually talk about 500 5,448 or whatever, you know, they give uh, estimates of the actual numbers. Uh, what would be of interest in Ireland is to say, well, a 10 percentage points rise in the unemployment rate, such as we've had, from 4 to 14 percent. Uh, I reckon now, depends on which equation you pick out of the ones I've presented, but I reckon that would add about four, 45 additional male suicides a year, which is certainly uh, serious and, and so on, but it's... Um, in perspective against a total of 600 suicides in the whole population. On the other hand, a fall of three liters in per capita alcohol consumption, which is about what happened from the turn of the century 2000 down to 2007, 2008. I reckon that would take out about 100 uh, male suicides. So two events that have occurred, big rise in unemployment, a big drop in alcohol consumption, 
my tentative conclusion would be that the alcohol variable had a bigger impact than the unemployment variable. I, I think it is surprising that such a massive rise in unemployment as we've had uh, doesn't show up, say, in the crude graph that I put up earlier and shows up only uh, at this magnitude when you try and do more detailed analysis of it. Um, a lot of the variation in the time series is, is, is unexplained. I shouldn't have said largely, it is unexplained. The suicide rate among females of all ages, males 55 and over, is not, strong related, is not strongly related to any of these variables. There, there tends to be a significant trend in the female rate. That, that is true. Just uh, the, the rate is higher now than it was 20 years ago in, in most age groups. But it, the timing of that increase doesn't seem to be related to these variables that I've picked out. And if you break it down then, say we can say something about what has influenced the time series for 6% of the population and very little about what has influenced the time series of suicide among 40% because females and males aged 55 and over account for 40% of all the suicides. So um, policy implications, this is mercifully short because <laughs> unfortunately I don't have much to say. Um, Obviously, we want to minimize unemployment. I mean, um, you can get into a big argument about the, the people who are criticizing austerity say it's not just austerity that they, they say, okay, we have to balance the books, but it's the way we're doing it. Uh, it's, it's causing a lot of unemployment and health cuts are uh, leading to a deterioration in, in public health, including increases in suicide. Well, that's, I think, a bit of a jump because we, we don't know how effective a lot of the treatments are in this area, are in other areas. So I'm not sure that you can jump from the sort of argument that's going on over trimming so many hundred million off the health budget to the impact on public health. Um, curbing alcohol abuse would seem to be, you know, everyone's in favor of that except the drinkers, <laughs> the people who matter. Um, but, you know, it does seem to be so highly correlated with so many problems that um, um, I'll drink to that uh, policy in moderation. Um, then tar the, the problem, again, Kevin asked about treatments and so on. It's, it's hard, I think, and, and this isn't my area, obviously, but it's common sense to say it's hard to target the at-risk populations. Do we really... Um, know who is at risk. That's what you need to um, focus your limited resources on. And you know, we're looking for 600 people in a population of 4 million or a bit less of the adult population. So that, that's a, a real challenge. Actually, I mentioned occupations because I saw a piece in one of these medical journals where, I, and it brought back memories, that in the old days there were certain occupations that were very high risk for suicide. Uh, pharmacists and um, Dave, you said your daughter was interested in going into pharmacy, tell her. Yes. <laughs> Vets and doctors yes. and pharmacists and dentists. Any, in other words, anyone who had access to, to the, the means. So uh, that's gone now because I suppose everyone has access and they can all go on the internet and brew up a, a lethal cocktail from <laughs> the formulas there. That seems, but I saw that, I think it was in, in the British Medical Journal saying that the, these are, but recently, of course, people working in the construction industry have been, um, I think, a very high risk, and that's related back to unemployment. So, but targeting construction workers is a very broad uh, 
constituency, you know, so I'm not sure that you can do it. Um, and then I think that inevitably, when you look at the problem in the, in the health budgets, you really, I, I'm struck by reading stuff in the papers about people clamoring for more resources for policies in this area and elsewhere, and they have no evidence whether they work or not. You know, so I, I put that in at the end, that whatever we're going to try and do, we should really make sure that the money is well spent. Okay, well, I certainly have stayed within my, my notebook, so thank you very much for your attention.